Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. I was in Geneva visiting my son. We were also ministering there. The church brings us greetings. And I got talking to a man. I can't give his name, but he's a very powerful man in the United Nations. And, um, and the prognosis isn't good for our world, friends. Um, there's a panic setting into governments now. There's a panic setting into the houses of, and corridors of power because things are really coming to a head with... The world, as the Apostle Paul says, a good garment has been, it's been worn out. And we're coming to a time of great trial and sadness for our world. And he, he wasn't talking about the coronavirus, friends. He was talking about far worse. And, and this is secular thinkers behind the scenes. And uh, there is an urgency in the hour that we're living in to preach the gospel. There is an urgency about it, friends. The signs are there. Amen. And the hour is now that we, the church, need to be hearing the voice of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to the book of Daniel. If you've got your Bibles this morning, Bible, turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 1. And it's a, it's a portion of Scripture. Every Bible reader, every Christian of any length of time knows the story of Daniel. Thanks, Patrick. God bless you. You're a good man. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into the hand, into his hand, and some of the articles of the house of God, which also he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasury house of his God. Then the king instructed Ephahaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdoms, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they had to teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, of wine which he drank, and three years of training for them. And at the end of that time, they would serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear, the Lord, I, fear, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are of your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, who was the chief of the eunuchs, had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and, let, and just give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the other young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them. 
In this matter, and tested them ten days. At the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the other young men that ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion, the portion of delicacies, the wine that they were to drink, and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all dreams and in visions. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king interviewed them, and among them, was, among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, this is an incredible story. 605 years before Christ, 605 BC, the rise of the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar being its emperor, uh, turned its certain armies north and uh, headed towards Jerusalem after defeating, in the Battle of Carchemish, after defeating the Egyptians. Israel and Egypt had a pact. Israel was going to come. Egypt was come and help Israel or Judah at the time, and vice versa if they were attacked. But the great overlords of Egypt were decimated in battle, and Nebuchadnezzar heads his army north. And this was all prophesied. The children of God, you know, had turned away from the Lord. They had taken for granted the presence of God and the revelation of the Lord, and they had defiled the revelation of God. And prophets came, and prophets went, and and uh, kings rose and kings fall, but eventually the word of the Lord came through that there was going to be a 70-year period in the life of, Israel, of Judah that they were going to be under the, the heel of Babylon. And that took place after several months of besieging the city. There was a breach in the walls. Uh, Judah sued for peace. And from that, the, the city was spared. And uh, something like four or 5,000 of the nobles and the wise ones, as you saw, young men, gifted, young artisans, intellectuals were brought back to, to Babylon, effectively to bolster the intellectual value of the kingdom of the realm that Nebuchadnezzar ruled over. And these young men, of course, you know, they were prime young men, but they were young. They were probably 14, 15, 16 years of age maximum. If you go on the lineage, when you look at the later the book of Daniel, you see that Daniel was 80 years of age when he has to yet again speak truth to power, as they would say, and risk his own head. And he was a tenacious man. All of them were. And, uh, but I, I want to bring out some points this morning that I think will help us. I mean, they, they left uh, the, the, the security of their home, all that, was, all that was normal to them, all that was comfortable to them, and they were taken not by choice, uh, eight, nine hundred mile journey into the heart of Babylon, a terrifying place, Babylon. Babylon. The Babylonians were not uh, known for their, um, you know, their humanity, put it that way, the humanitarian treatment of anybody. They were bloody, they were, they, were, <laughs> they were mechanized, they were vicious in battle. And as you entered into the city of, of Babylon, you had to pass through what was known as the gates of hell. The, uh, you know, these were arches that led into the city. Those, and those arches, there was, the, there was uh, these snakes that were embossed in and tiled into the arches. And, it, it, and they were spitting venom. So you, you, the whole entrance into Babylon was to terrify them, to say, you're coming into the gates of hell. You're coming into the, right into the center of power here, dark power. 
um, violent power. They, they sack the vice on a daily basis, up to 100 people on a daily basis to the altar of their gods. So when you went into, into that city, it was dark, it was vicious, it was vile. It was everything different to what they'd come out of. They'd come out of a very civilized Jude, Judaic world and that the law of God that valued life, you know, that valued uh, um, family, that valued uh, great principles. And they were brought in as young men into this awful sense of violence. And as they walked through the gates of hell, and actually, fact, those gates still exist today. Those arches were rediscovered and are now in, in, in Germany, in, in, in a museum in Germany. Huge arches reassembled block by block. And... Uh, this was the terrifying experience of these four young men. Um, as they make that long march, some may have probably even died in that journey. They're taken from their moms and their dads. They're taken from everything that's familiar. Uh, the, the comfort of their world, their religion, their God, everything was tried to be stripped from them. They tried to take their names and give them new names. So we know the story. These are remarkable. We know the end of the story. Most of us know the, the story. It's good to have a little bit of history to refresh yourself of the truth of this narrative, the story. It's not a Disney World story. This is a historical story. These are real people. These were real young men that, as I said, were, were up against it, friends. They were really put to the grindstone here and taken out of their realm and, as I said, viciously and not at all by choice. And so here they are. They are now brought into the, into the court of the king to be trained up and to bolster the intellectual value, as I said, and the assets of the empire of Nebuchadnezzar. And there is something that, that strikes me, and I, I, I want to bring this thought to you this morning, because we, we kind of know the story very, very well. You've heard it preached a thousand and one times, I'm sure. But there's this understanding that it says that Daniel purposed in his heart uh, not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. And I was looking at the word purpose because there's something very powerful about that statement. Um, and it, it goes a little bit beyond the, the normal reading when you, look, when, you, when you kind of mine down into the word. The word is uh, suum in the Hebrew. And the word, it means to purpose, to determine, and to rehearse. Interesting. It got me thinking that he didn't purpose when he arrived in Babylon. He purposed a long time before he got into Babylon. You see, friends, we learn something, we do well to learn from history. My dad always used to say to me, history, history was so important. If you don't understand history, you're going to repeat its failures. And uh, I, it always lived with me because I think human nature is exactly the same. Technology changes, but human behavior is the same. It never changes. It follows certain contours of lust and violence and vice. They're the contours of man, whether we, whether we choose to acknowledge or not. You're an idiot if you don't. Someone once said to me, that is the mistake of most uh, communists is that they underestimate, they overestimate the virtues of men and underestimate their vices and the nature of the beast. And so there's a purposing in the heart of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, there's a purposing in the heart. And, I, you know, as, as I was reading this, I was thinking of them leaving their journey. Uh, and they know it's a long journey. They know some of them may die. They know where they're going. They've heard rumors. They've seen how, they, how the Babylonians are in war. They just see how, how fear they are among that known world at the time. And now they're going there. But there's something in this story. If you read it, read it yourself tonight when you go home. I think it's a great story worth investigating. He purposed in his heart. But it wasn't at that point, friends, he purposed. See, he had rehearsed. All the way through his experience with God, he had recalled who it was he was that who it was that he served. 
He had remembered and he had rehearsed it. And now, you know, when you talk about a rehearsal, of course, you could talk about how the guys can rehearse. Or we're doing a play, you rehearse. Or if you're living in a high rise, you know, you're going to rehearse the way out if there's going to be fire. If you're living in a 30-odd floor building and you're up at the top, you're going to say to yourself, in the event of a fire, I'm going, I know where the stairwells are. They're fire retardant stairwells, so you know you can get out. You know where to get down. You know, you're just going to do that. You get on an airplane for the first time. You might get a little casual later on, but you're going to look to where the exits are just in case something goes wrong. And you're going to say to yourself, I remember the early days flying because I love flying, but I still, you know, you're always a little bit how a metal object is up there and not down here. And you're always saying to yourself, in the event of, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to kick this bag out of the way. I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be down the aisle and I'm going to be down the chute. And you rehearse it in your mind. You begin to you go through the patterns. You, 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 you're rehearsing things that you have to say, places you have to go. You automate yourself. And this is the way these men lived. Young as they were, they rehearsed something. They found themselves in the, in the heart of one of the most foulest, depraved, fearsome places the world has ever known. They faced an enemy that was heartless and vicious, a society that was degenerate of the things of God. Yet, there was a rehearsal in them. There was a determination made. And then there was an absolute decision not to defile that revelation. The word defile is ga'al in the Hebrew. It means to soil. It means to desecrate, defile or stain. But it also means to deny the truth or its validity. So I want you to get something here before Babylon ever happened. There was a purposing of life. There was a rehearsal of how to live. There was a rehearsal of how to react in time of trial. And so when the trial came upon them, they were not caught out by it. They understood at any time Jerusalem could have fallen. They were spiritual young men, so they would have heard Jeremiah's prophecies. They were men that were devoted to God. They would have heard the prophet had spoken. As I said, the prophet spoke and the demons dined. The sun has come and you've been left behind. And the demons dined that day in Jerusalem, friends. And the prophecies came true. The powers of darkness came in. But they knew it. They were ready. What are we going to do when Nebuchadnezzar marches through these gates? Not if he watches through these gates. And there's something along that journey for you and I, friends, to, to take note of as Christians today. Because we are also going into a Babylon. There's always many different Babylons in an allegory sense. But there is something about arming yourself. The Apostle Paul talks about arming yourself. The Apostle Peter does about arming yourself with suffering. The character of these men's hearts, friends, they had, they had, they had purposed in their heart. They were born into Babylon. But Babylon was never getting into them. Young teenagers. And that's what they were. You know, it's the remarkable thing. Because most of the heroes in the Bible are young. They're very young. Most of the disciples were teenagers. Peter is probably the oldest of them. And John was 14 years of age. Young. David was about 14 or 15 when he went up against Goliath. It's a remarkable story, friends. That's why the Bible says, despise, let no one despise your youth. Nobody look down on you. But these young men had rehearsed. They had rehearsed in their heart. What am I going to do when? What am I going to do if? How will I react? 
What will my, what will my actions be? They didn't walk around mindless thinking, oh, sure, I'm, I'm in a bubble here. I'm wrapped in cotton wool. Nothing's going to hurt me. Life is just some big sort of green pasture that you just laid me down. And there's no troubles in life, friends. Don't want to look at the storms. Don't want to look at the realities. Don't want to look down the road to see where all this is going and where it ends. There was a rehearsal in them. They had purposed in their heart. They knew that that heart was going to be tested. But I want to tell you, friends, they rehearsed who it was that saved them, who it was that they served. And I can imagine on that road for 900 miles or so, as they walked along, they began to think about their God. Hallelujah. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. See, they rehearsed him. They began to recall who it was, friends. As they walked along that road, they must have talked about the great testimony of David when he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And of Abraham, right through to Moses, when in Genesis 22, in verse 11 to 14, when Abraham was up that Mount Moriah, ready to sacrifice his own son, and God gives him a lamb cut in the thicket, and he said, Jehovah Jireh. See, he's rehearsing. As they walked into the fire, friends, as they walked into Babylon, it didn't happen when they got to Babylon. It happened back in Jerusalem. It happened in the times of peace, friends. That's where they rehearsed the things of God. When they're surrounded by faith in the temple, when they seen the Shekinah of God, when they saw the priests moving in, when they understood what atonement meant, when they understood that they were marked by God and God's hand and favor was upon them. They rehearsed who he was. They purposed, this is a revelation that I will not let get defiled, no matter what world I'm in. They knew it. He's the El Shaddai. I can imagine Daniel and his friends saying, I remember, he's our provider. Shadrach said, no, no, he's our El Shaddai. He's God, all-powerful and all-sufficient. Oh no, Meshach says, no, he's Jehovah Rophi. He's the Lord that heals you. As they encouraged, as they rehearsed, as they recalled, and as they built themselves up, friends, long before they get into Babylon. Jehovah Maka, the Lord who smites. You can imagine they had many irritable moments on that journey. And I'm sure one or two of them said, we have a God that can smite these Babylonians. But they knew it was for a season. They embraced their season too, friends. You don't need to like the season you're in, but you need to embrace it. Because that's the season God's put you into. You might like lockdowns. You might like what's going on. I don't like it. It'd be crazy to like it, but that's where God brought us, friends. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I hope you can say amen. Because that's, that is rehearsing before we really go into Babylon. Do you understand? You need to recall that because you're going to be reminded of it later on. There's going to be testing of your faith because they believed all this back in Jerusalem when it was summertime and their living was easy. When it appeared that the false prophets were right. Oh, we have an alliance with Egypt. Everything's okay now. The prophets got it wrong. Jeremiah was wrong. So did you hear what happened to Jeremiah? The you know, pastor came and smacked him across the face. The king threw him into a cistern and nearly, he nearly sunk into the mud and nearly, nearly, nearly died. So much for the word of the Lord. Nothing's gone wrong. I was the same yesterday as today. Nothing really changes. 
But they knew what God was saying. They knew where God was leading. And they rehearsed who he was. Jehovah Shalom. When things got really bad. God is my peace. Hallelujah. We need to rehearse some of these names of God. We need to understand the Lord is my peace. He is our peace who has broken down the wall of division. And has made one new man. Hallowed through the very veil of his own body. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord who is there. Praise God. Amen. The Lord who is with you is another translation of the name. Jehovah Nisi. The Lord my refuge and my exaltation. Hallelujah. You see, friends, before you ever enter into the spider's web or the spider's parlor, whatever the lyric was, you have to rehearse him. You have to rehearse him. You have to recall his truths. You have to own them, friends. You must let it own you. There was going to be greater revelations that they would have never bargained for in their journey with God. But the revelations that they did have, friends, they embraced them and they said, we are not defiling this revelation. We're not defiling it. We might be in a world that nobody believes like what we believe. Nobody believes in God. Nobody believes in these truths. It doesn't matter. We know them because we've rehearsed them. I've seen you in the sanctuary, David said, I beheld your power and your glory. He talked, he was all about the Shekinah glory. And because your love is greater than life, my lips will glorify thee. And there is that understanding that to you and I, Christian, listen to me. And it may sound arrogant to others, but I don't care about others. I'm here to minister to you this morning. That you, you are the very, very apple of God's eye today. And to you has been given a revelation, not just intellectually, not just doctrinally, but in the person of, the, of Jesus Christ to the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do I believe? Well, I believe there's loads of intellectual reasons to believe the Scriptures. I believe there's loads of historical reasons for it. But I really believe because the Holy Spirit has come into my life and revealed the second person of God, the, Holy, of the Lord in Christ Jesus to me. Amen. And brought me into unison with a supernatural body called the church. And even though we have different colors and backgrounds and accents and, and languages, friends, there's something so powerful about that body. It's so supernaturally led. It's so supernaturally put together that you know it has to come from a higher mind. Amen. They walked that journey, friends. They purposed. They rehearsed. They determined what was right. They determined how to react. And they said, we will never, ever defile this revelation. And of course, that led them to massive trappings. They're it's, it's not just about the wine. It's not just about the food, the meat that was sacrificed to their demon gods. It was long before Babylon, friends. What would you do, Patrick? I can imagine them as kids. What would you do if you get carried away? Because we know we're going. We know we're going to step into a fire. We know we're going to step into a persecution. We know it's going to get very dark for many years for us. We're not going to reinvent the wheel. The Lord has spoken. What would your reaction be, Patrick? What would your reaction be, Daniel? Well, I know I am purposing in my heart. I'm rehearsing what I'm going to do. I think Daniel had his speech ready. Do you understand? 
I don't think he was on the back foot in Babylon. What am I going to say now? I think before I ever got there, he says, I don't care whether there's a king. I don't care if there's two kings or ten kings. I'm going to tell them. I'm not defining the revelation of God in my life. I've rehearsed it too long to back away now. I've prayed to him. I've worshipped him. I've loved him. I've sensed his power. I know he is my peace. I know he is my banner. I know he is with me. I know he's my healer. I know he's the one that strikes and goes before me. I'm sure that was in his heart. And I'm sure as he spoke to his friends along the road and they spoke back to him, there was a uniting of faith together. It says, we don't know what we're going into. And friends, I frankly don't know what we're going into as a world. We've got this rise of this epidemic and that's not going to be the worst thing. Far greater minds than me. And I'm not talking about apocalyptic preaching this morning. I'm telling you realities. The man I spoke to, he said, I said, what's, what's the biggest crisis you're facing? I, I, this is a very powerful man. And I can't give his name. I said, he's, well, Corona is bad enough, he said, and climate change is certainly going to be a big issue. He said, we're all worried about the, an airborne version of Ebola. That's what he said to me. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. These are the corridors of secular power, friends. But yet the Bible tells us there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, famine and nakedness. But I want to tell you, what can separate you from the love of God? See, if you start rehearsing it now, when it happens, you're going to be able to stand. Do you understand? If you start to rehearse it now and determine in your heart, and begin to tell your husband, tell your wife, tell your children and speak to each other the true honesties of God's promises. Begin to remind yourself of who it is that saved you. Amen. That when you step into the worst Babylon, and I don't know what Babylon is ahead of us, friends. It might be in my lifetime. It might be in your lifetime. My guess is that it will be. But we rehearse them. And as we walk to those journeys, friends, we will know how to give an account. Amen. It's not that we have to have every word. I know the word of God says not worry about what you're going to say. That God will give you wisdom in that time. But you won't have any wisdom unless you rehearse the revelation of God. There was going to be a greater revelation given to these young men. Greater than what they could ever, ever experience. Unless they were prepared to purpose in their hearts not to defile the revelation. The trappings of this world's comforts, its fleshly appeasements, seek to rob you of the greatest and most enduring blessing, friends. They, re they rehearsed in their hearts that they would, and their heart would be tried, friends. They had no knowledge of what would become of them. They had no guarantees that things would work out in a certain way. But there is a resolve in their voice when they later had to stand against that very same king who brings in this oppressive religious law that everyone is going to bow down and worship at a golden statue of himself. Oh, they were resolved, friends. They were resolved before they ever got to Babylon. If, I can, if you can learn that from this message before we ever go into the fire, you resolve it now. And you don't defile that revelation. Resolve it who it is that has saved me. Who it is that I serve. Who it is that has worked a miracle in my life. Resolve it now. And then begin to tell it to your children. Speak to them as you walk along the road. Tell them that you are once slaves in Egypt. And how I brought you out with my mighty right arm. 
Speak to them these laws to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. I want to tell you, friends, that is that is that purposing. That is the purpose of life. That is the rehearsal of life. They had no idea their hearts and their resolve was going to be tried, friends. They didn't know what way it was going to work out. But there was something in their voice when they were called to bow before this effigy of this maniac king that thinks he's a deity. We don't care whether the fire goes ten times hotter or not. And no king, we respect you, but we respect God more. See, friends, that's rehearsed. I'm telling you, that's rehearsed. That is something that's already in the bedrock of their hearts before they step a foot out of Israel. You may call us by different names. And that's what they try to do. You know, the name twist. They took the Hebrew names off and gave them Babylonian names. They try to rob their faith, try to rob their identity. You can do all that. You can try to rob our children. But you cannot take away our true identity. And you cannot take our faith. And that led those three of those four young men. It led them. It led them eventually into a fiery furnace as we know. It led them right into the middle of a place where everybody's watching to see how their faith will extend, friends. But the Bible does say, what can separate us from the love of God? The flames didn't harm them. The only thing that it consumed was their bonds. It gave them liberty. It brought them into a new and deeper experience with God. It made them like kings over nature. They were mightier than ever. It showed them that the fire had no consuming property of its own. Its properties are given and maintained by God. Hebrews 11, 34 says, They quenched the very, very violence of fire. They quenched it. You must remember every property of fire is given by God. Amen. He holds all things together. He's the designer before the whole thing. Do you think that they didn't know that? They had rehearsed that. They had rehearsed it, friends. They had purposed. And with a revelation like that, they weren't going to defile it. No way. Not defiling that one. Babylons will come and Babylons will go. Generations will rise and fall. Kings and kingdoms will rise and fall, friends. But there's only one name that's above it all. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's only one, the eternal one. There's only one wise God. Hallelujah. They had rehearsed it as we should rehearse it, friends, as they determined in their heart. You might find yourself working with Nebuchadnezzar or for him or around him. They may hear your insight into the scriptures or spiritual things and call you some sort of spiritual oracle. But when they try to get you to bow down to the vanity of their mind, you must not bow. You must not defile the revelation that you have in God. Paul says to the Christians, you have not so learned Christ. And for three years, these young men didn't so learn Christ either, friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in Babylon, but they were never. They never cowered to Babylon. Noah wouldn't defile his revelation when God said, build an ark. What do you mean build an ark? It's never even rained. Doesn't matter. He had trained himself. He had purposed in his heart who it was that he served. A righteous man. Jeremiah knew his God 
and would not defile his revelation, even as I said, when Pasha hit him on the face and it lowered him into a cistern and burned his scrolls, he didn't defile his revelation. Nehemiah wouldn't defile his revelation when Shimbala and Tobiah tried to, dis- to desist him from building the wall. And I want to tell you, let nothing defile the revelation that you know in your heart to be true. But rehearse him. Purpose in your heart. Nothing's going to take away. Heaven and earth may pass away, but his word will never pass away. Hallelujah. Friends will come and friends will go. Money will come and money will go. Jobs will come and jobs will go. Health will come and health will go. Life will come and life will go. But there's only one thing that matters, friends, is that one day we will stand for eternity at the face of him and bow our knee and give praise to him who brought us out of darkness and paid for us with his own blood. Hallelujah. Rehearse his name. Rehearse his truth. And when the fires fall upon you as it did to these children and many, many since, friends, these are just examples for us, historical examples, but this story has been repeated down through Christendom in millions and millions of times over. Oh, all those years later, no, even weeks later in other parts of the world, but down through history, great personalities. Jesus going to the cross, he had rehearsed what he was going to do, friends. I do nothing and say nothing other than what I do and hear the Father say and do. When the temptation to find another way or to back away from the torment of that cross, the cruel nature of that cross, what are you going to do then when they start driving the nails into your hand, Christian? What are you going to do then when they start persecuting you? What are you going to do when they start taking your job from you? What are you going to do when they put you in prison? What are you going to do when they put your children in prison? What are you going to do when this world turns its back at you? Not my will, but thine be done. I believe that's rehearsed before the foundation of the world. He knew exactly what he was going to say. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And it's time for us to understand as we step into an unknown future, friends. There'll be much good in that future. Grandchildren will be born to you if you're lucky one day. Children will marry. There'll be some great days ahead of you. But inevitably, Babylon is coming. And every Christian needs to arm themselves. I started with that song, Don't Get Left Behind, because I'm cognizant to the fact that there'll be some watching or even some here this morning. And you don't know the Lord. You don't know him in that life-transforming way. You have an intellectual grasp, and that's fine. That's not enough. You're not going to be able to think yourself out, think yourself out of this problem, friends. And the extension of... His invitation to you is extensive this morning with love and with pleading, with kindness and with mercy, that he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks and he says, if any man, any woman would open the door, I would come in and I would dwell with you. Don't get left behind. Don't get cut out. Don't get tripped up. Don't take your eye off the ball. Don't get caught up with the good times that you can't see what, where this is really going, that this world has been folded up like a worn-out garment, as I said at the start. But embrace the revelation that God has given you of Jesus. Own him as Lord and Savior. 
and rehearse his goodness, his names. I'm not talking about ritualistic rehearsing, you understand that. Jehovah Rufi, Jehovah Rufi. It's imbibing his characteristics. And it's growing in the revelation of him personally. So you can speak about him rather than speaking, you can speak for him as much as speaking about him. And then when the fires of much affliction comes, and in the furnace of much affliction, I have chosen thee, behold, for iron, I'll give you silver for brass. I will give you gold. And thanks be to God today that we have the purpose now. And this is a word from the Lord for you. If you will learn nothing else this morning, it's time to rehearse. What am I going to do? When? What am I going to do? Not if. When? Jesus said, when the man who built his house upon the sand versus the man who built his house upon the rock. Not if the storms come. When the storms come. And when the storms come, we will say, ah, I'm fastened to a rock that cannot move. And I'm in this storm because he has put me here. God takes, God takes, no, God takes away. But it doesn't stop the reality. I will not defile the revelation of who I serve. And that is where the victory comes, friends. Hallelujah. I will not defile the revelation that God has put into my heart. And by, grace, by the grace of God, friends, we'll all see each other at the other side in the glory of God, raptured with fathers and mothers that have gone on before, friends and family, brothers and sisters down to the ages, those who we only know by reputation and those who we know intimately. What a gathering that will be, amen. Would you stand this morning as we go to worship one last time and ask in your heart, say, oh God, I'm going to rehearse. <laughs> I'm going to rehearse. I'm going to recall who you are. I'm going to tell myself. And I'm going to tell my wife and I'm going to tell my children when these things come, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to stand. This is how we're going to answer. This is how we're going to live. This is how we're going to manifest. And this is how all men will know that you're my disciples and in the midst of it all, we'll be people of love. <laughs> That's what he said. They'll see that love of God flowing through you and out to you, to this world. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just worship and, and rehearse. Even, and I don't want the word rehearse to become some sort of contrived Hollywood thing. You know what I'm saying. There's a deeper meaning to these words, of course. They bring a greater value to the text. Move away from the cosmetic word of rehearse and see what I'm mean, saying. Recall the mercies of God. Recall the promises of God. Recall the character of God. Recall all the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. And who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and mercies so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh God, we pray this morning. We pray for the body of Christ, wherever she is, Lord, here in Cork, around the nation, around the world. Some who are already going into foreignnesses of affliction. Brothers and sisters, we're sitting in the West here, it'll eventually catch us. But there are places in the world today, my friends, that there's brothers and sisters being horrendously persecuted. Ethiopia today got into civil war. 80 million people. Millions are going to perish there unless God moves. Millions are going to perish. Millions. South Sudan, Yemen. Millions of people are on the verge of starvation. 58 million people are on one meal a day at the moment, friends. And that meal is tenuous. I got these stats from my friend. And There's already Christians going into the furnace, as hungry as their neighbors. But there's something about 
the end for the Christians so full of hope so full of life because they've rehearsed it at the end of the day it's not about this anyhow can you say amen it's about something far greater something far more eternal something far more beautiful amen and can I enjoy the here and now I hope you can and I hope you will and I hope you should that every good thing that God has given to you, celebrate them, love and enjoy it. Your meals, your children, your love, your families, your flights to Geneva if you get, get to beautiful Switzerland sometime. Enjoy it all. But when I have so rehearsed Christ and I purpose in my heart that when, not if, I'm going to speak like this. I'm going to declare like that. And I'm going to stand on his promises. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.